So we are continuing this series where we have been looking over the beginning of this year of how things um, may be different uh, in the life of the church, uh, what new normal might look like. And so we have looked throughout parts and aspects of the beginning and the birth uh, of the early church to challenge us, even as we see a new movement of God, of how things might be a new normal. Uh, I wanna share with you two conversations that I had this week both of them occurred on Wednesday. So Wednesday, Ayana, our new children's director, uh, was spending the day kind of exploring curriculum for Vacation Bible School. And so that's looking at all the different curriculum that are available and trying to think through what that might look like. And so periodically she would come out of the Vacation Bible School fog, uh, walk into the office where me and Diane might be together and she was talking to us about things about Vacation Bible School. Well, how? How have we done this or how have we done that? And so we were talking a little bit about Vacation Bible School and how we used all of the facility and talked about some of the decorations and, and the, the noise uh, that comes with it and how it uses all three floors. And I, I really kind of think it may have blown her mind a little bit uh, about what all it entailed and how we go about uh, try to utilizing uh, the creative efforts of the entire church uh, as we think about uh, vacation Bible school. And so we, we had this conversation a couple of different times throughout the day as she was looking and spending time thinking about vacation Bible school. And then later that same day, uh, Al came in to get ready for the youth collide. And so we were talking about the youth mission trip. Uh, and so we were looking at dates, trying to coordinate. So we had the conversation about mission trip versus dates for vacation Bible school. And so we were discussing that and, and, he, and he was asking about, you know, going and leading a trip uh, that his daughter might be on uh, because this would be the first time where she was of age to be able to go on a mission trip. And I was sharing with him my experience with taking my son Latham on his first mission trip. It was back in 2009 and we went on a trip together and I shared with him that even though that you're the leader, you're also the, a dad. And so, but it's, it's a privilege because you get to watch your child grow up. I mean, you get to watch them like develop in their relationship with God and you get to watch them physically do things that you would probably never let them do uh, if you were trying to shelter them at home. And, 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 and it was just a, a true blessing uh, to be able to have that experience. And it's one that I told him, I said, I haven't taken Lydia on one. I keep saying to Lydia that we're going to go on a trip together because um, I didn't get that with her. And so we were just talking about these two experiences and I, and I just simply share those with you because I had these two conversations and they were sitting on my mind Wednesday night and Thursday morning I got up and began to do my devotion. Many of us are doing the prayer challenge and so I began to do my devotion and my prayer challenge for that day and as these conversations were wrestling in my own head, I read the author write this, God is not a genie in a bottle and your wish is not his command. His command better be your wish. And I wrestled on that. And then I wrestled on that and then I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to, to change 
what I was preaching on. Now, if you want to see a fight with God, uh, tell a preacher who has already written his sermon, uh, already has the scriptures in the computer and has already practiced it to write a different one. Uh, and so I wrestled with God throughout Thursday uh, of what it was that God wanted me to say to you on this day. And so that's how we got here. That's how we got to this moment. Now, let me say this to you, that I do think that some of what I'm going to say today is going to challenge all of us. And I think that many of us are going to have toes stepped on. And I suspect that some of us might even react defensively. Um, That's not my intention. It really truly is, is to speak into the life of the church. And I think that all of us need to wrestle with this a little bit. Now, here's the truth. We often talk to our children um, about the possibility of someday, right? I mean, I would say probably most of us, if you are a parent or even a grandparent, you think about, okay, I want my kids, I, I want my daughter to know that she can, she can do anything that she wants to do, right? I want her to be able to grow in, and and I believe that she can do anything that she wants to do, but sometimes we put in someday, right? We acknowledge that that may come in the future, and as they grow up, you can drive a car one day. Someday, you can date. You'll get there, buddy. Uh, Someday, you can do this, and we do that in the life of the church, One day, you can make a difference. One day, you can lead. One day, you will be valuable, is essentially what we say. Let me say this to you, and this is important for us, church. In that frame of mind, in the kingdom of God, there is no someday. It's today. Today is what we have. If we're praying for a movement of God, if we're praying for the Holy Spirit to move on us in a way that is fresh and new and pushes us to reach our community, today is what we have. And so as I read scripture and as I was thinking about what it is that God is saying, I I stumbled onto this passage in Acts 16. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to the 16th chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 16, I want to read to you the first two verses, and you can kind of stay there after we finish these two first two verses. It says, Paul reached Derby and then Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy. He was the son of a believing Jewish woman and a Greek father. The brothers and sisters in Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Now, if we stop here on the surface, this is not an overly exciting passage, right? I mean, we read this and it's not like we see the room shake um, where we have read that in the book of Acts. It's not like that we read this and we see tongues of fire light down on people. We don't read this and even see a dramatic conversion of somebody from Ethiopia. In fact, most of us would read this passage as we're reading the book of Acts and call it a filler. It's just, it moves Paul from one location to another. But before we take that position, I invite you to just pause and think about this. After Paul's dramatic conversion, 
Paul begins to move around from town to town and he's preaching about Jesus and he's starting new churches. He's doing the hard work of sharing the gospel and he, he finds out that as he comes into Lystra that there's a young Jewish Jesus follower named Timothy. Word had gotten back to Paul that Timothy was strong in his faith. And so Paul invites Timothy to join him on his journey. And again, on face value, there's not a whole lot more to this of Paul choosing to let Timothy join him on the journey. But I think it's important for us to stop and recognize that Paul chose Timothy despite his young age. Now you may think, okay, well, it doesn't say in Acts that Timothy is young. So am I just making that up? But we don't have the typical measures of being able to understand his age that you might have in other places of Scripture of other people. But we do see in other references in Scripture that Timothy is young. And so you don't have to turn here in your Bibles. If you've got them open, you can leave them there in Acts. But let me show you what it says most notably in 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Instead... Set an example for the believers through your speech, behavior, love, faith, and by being sexually pure. I mean, Paul could have chosen anyone to help him with this experience. He could have chosen someone who was more seasoned. He could have chosen somebody who's been around for much longer. But Paul realized that the future of the movement was in the young person. Paul saw value in Timothy. Paul saw his faithfulness. And Paul determined that regardless of his age, Timothy was the exact person for this particular job. And to be fair, this was not completely unheard of in Paul's time. We see this in other places. In fact, there is a real possibility, and this may blow somebody's mind, there's a real possibility that some of the disciples were teenagers. In Jewish tradition, you began to learn when you were five years old. And you would begin to study when you were five and you would work your way till you were about 12 or 13. And then at 12 or 13, you would pick a rabbi to follow. So follow the math. If they followed Jesus, lived with him for a few years, it is it is possible that some of the disciples were actually teenagers after Jesus left this earth. So let's look a little further. Because that really does blow me away when I think about that. But let's go back in Acts chapter 16 in verse 3. Paul wanted to take Timothy with him, so he circumcised him. This was because of the Jews who lived in those areas, for they all knew Timothy's father was Greek. As Paul and his companions traveled through the cities, they instructed Gentile believers to keep the regulations put in place by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and every day their numbers flourished. I want you to pause there. Let you leave that scripture up for just one second. When you think about what you're praying for in the church, if you're praying for the church, if you're praying for a movement of God, don't you think in some ways chapter, verse 5 is what we're praying for? 
The churches strengthened and numbers flourish. To me, when I read that, I'm like, that, I mean, that's what I want the people who are here to be strengthened in their faith. And then I want more people to know Jesus Christ. And that's what we see here. Because of this team, Paul and Timothy, the movement of the early church strengthened and it grew. Because Paul chose Timothy, I want you to think about this. Because Paul chose Timothy, we have 1st and 2nd Timothy. We have 2nd Corinthians. We have Philippians. We have Colossians. We have 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. We have uh, Philemon. We have all of this because they were either written to or they were co-authored by this young follower of Jesus, Timothy. Timothy was given real responsibility. Timothy wasn't given just to an errand that he was supposed to go and go get Paul some coffee. He was given real responsibility. Paul went so far as to say there is no one like him. Timothy had value to Paul. He brought something to the table. And so Paul saw all of the possibilities. And so Paul called him. Paul mentored him. Paul led him. And very importantly, Paul was led by him. And as a result of that, this entire faith community benefited. And listen, church, when the church benefits, the world benefits. When the church benefits, the world benefits So I want you to understand that the future of the world lies in the hands of our young people. They lie in the hands of our young people. So I want to ask you a question. And remember, I told you the very first week of this series, questions can spark a fire. So here's your question. When you hear the word discipleship, what do you think of? Just pause and think about that. If I were to say to you, let's talk about discipleship, what would you think of? And I'll be honest, I asked myself this question. And immediately, when I thought of discipleship, I thought of Sunday school classes that happen in the rooms behind me. I thought of our Wednesday group that meets to talk about prayer. We study it in the morning. We, We try to do it in the evening. I thought about our prayer challenge. I thought about the ladies group that meets here on Wednesday nights and our men's group that meets on Tuesday mornings. All of those were aspects of what I thought about. When I see this action on Paul's truth, the truth is that we often operate that our students and our children are discipleship in waiting someday. And yet... Our students have passion and creativity. They have talents and abilities that God has given them today. They have a desire to change the world. And listen to me, church. Their desire may actually lead us where God is leading us to go. If we'll let them. I don't know if you've either been to see Hamilton. Uh, We watched it on Disney+. Plus. But there's a a really important quote. George Washington is telling Alexander Hamilton that he's not going to run for for president. And he says this, If I say goodbye, the nations learn to move on. It outlives me when I'm gone. I want you to think about that. I mean, why are we doing a capital campaign? 
We are doing a capital campaign, yes, because we have debt and we all know that debt kind of inhibits ministry. And that's an important thing and don't ever hear me say anything differently. The capital campaign is something we need to, we need to strive to do. But let me say this to you. The capital campaign at the heart of it is because that we want to leave a legacy, right? We, we, we want to leave a legacy for the next generation. We want this movement. We want what it is that God is doing at Stockbridge First. And it's a place that some of you have been 20, 30, 50 years. You've worshiped. You've had your children baptized or you've been baptized. You've watched your grandchildren be baptized. You've gotten married. You've buried your spouse. I mean, you, you've had your funeral for your spouse. You've been here. You want it to continue for the next generation. We want to leave something behind that is making a God difference in the world, right? I mean, isn't that what we hope and, and, and think about when we think about the capital campaign? The future of the church, the future of this movement lies in the hands of the young people. And we've got to name it and realize it. We've got to empower them to lead. I mean, who knows? Who knows what would happen? I was studying this week after I saw it. It's like, do y'all realize like John Lewis, who passed away in July, was one of the first that, that fought the movement and rode the buses that were bombed, was beaten and attacked. He was 21 years old when he became a freedom rider. And most all of them were teenagers because they wanted to make a difference in the world. And because of their actions, we have the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act in 1964. I want everybody to hear me, both in person and online. I am not saying to you that what happens in the rooms back here on our third floor don't matter. They do. They matter tremendously. But I am saying that we have to question whether we have allowed ourselves to disconnect from what happens on the second floor, which is where our children and our youth gather to learn. We're not going to see a movement that's going to propel us to the future if we stay on the third floor. Here's where I think this message is going to step on some people's toes. I want you to honestly ask yourself this question. Have you allowed Every one of you, have you allowed the discipleship of our youth to fall to Al? Yes. Have you allowed, are you excited because Ayana, we've hired Ayana to lead our children's direct, to be our children's director. Are you excited that we've hired her because now you don't have to do it? If we're praying for a move of God, then it's time that each and every one of us move to the second floor, plug into our young people's lives. You have talents, let me, every one of you, you have talents that Al and Ayana need. I mean, you have grown up in and, and you've had careers where you have learned how to be administrators. You have learned how to uh, be creative. You have certain skills and hobbies and talents that you can use, that you can pass on to the next generation. God calls us.
to disciple the next generation. Don't just say, okay, you know what, I'm too old. Don't just say, well, uh, I've already done that and it's somebody else's responsibility. What if Paul had said that about Timothy? It's a challenge that really strikes us in our heart. If you're part of a Sunday school class, if you're part of a ladies small group, a men's small group, I'm challenging you to ask yourself, ask your group, what are we doing to empower our young people? What are we doing to come alongside of Al and Ayana? How are we supporting them and trying to be able to bring up the next generation? If you're a student, don't wait till someday. We need you now. We need your creativity, we need your passion, we need you to be able to help lead us where God is calling us. Look, if you, if you, if you don't, if you're sitting at home and you're watching this, let me tell you what I see every week. And I didn't tell people that I was gonna say this. Here's what I see every week. Beverly Powers and Victoria Danzo serving at a door over here to greet you when you come in the bell tower door. Here's a more seasoned white female and a young African-American female. Beverly, mentor her. I mean, you have an opportunity each and every week to kind of pour into her. And it's beautiful to be able to see that. This week, Lydia is sitting and working the computer for those of you who are both in person and online. She's here because somebody that was going to serve didn't feel well. And so I asked Lydia, will you step in? Joe Fuqua is doing the same thing because who, the person who was running sound wasn't able to serve. But Joe, I would say to you and to Terry, invest in Lydia. You have the opportunity to be able to like pour into her when we're on break and to be able to say something to her. Each and every one of us, we have an opportunity to be able to invest in our young people if we will choose to. And students learn and teach us. We have a shot to learn from Paul and Timothy. I read a book one time called Operation Timothy. It was about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. I may have told you all this before, but it challenged you to always have a Timothy in your life. Always have a Timothy in your life. You cannot stay on the third floor. Let's pray. Almighty God, Lord, we pray for you to move in us. Help us to know that you are calling every single one of us to invest in the next generation. And I know because I am just as guilty, God, that it's real easy to be able to try to come up with a defensive reaction. I pray that you break that spirit from us. Help us to pray. For us to be moved and used by you in the way that you desire. So that we don't just look at this as our wish is what you're going to do. But that we follow your commands. Help us God. To have the boldness. To not just go out the door. That's scary in its own right. But help us realize it really does take a village. And it's going to require us to walk down those stairs, ride that elevator, 
get out on that second floor and say, what can I do? May we seek after you in all that we do and give you the praise for it all.